Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by Scott Noonan, the CEO of Audio Advice, a specialty retailer with locations in Raleigh and Charlotte, North Carolina. Scott recently led his company's launch of an online interactive home theater design tool that not only simplifies and speeds up a process that usually takes weeks of back and forth in-person design meetings, but also is 100% free for anyone to use. Scott, thanks for joining us today. You betcha, Jeremy. I really wanted to dig in and talk about this design tool. And you and I uh, did a uh, online demo, so I got to see it in, in, in action. But uh, before we really kind of get into that explanation and description, I wanted to know more about the background of your background and that of Audio Advice, your company. Um, many inside the industry probably know about Audio Advice um, as it relates to your owner, Leon Shaw, who has been a pretty big presence in the industry over the years. He founded the company back in the 70s. Um, big participant in the HTSA buying group. And you know, you've been successful in two big stores there in North Carolina. And I wondered if you could kind of just tell me why you think your, your, your stores have been so successful over the years. And you know, especially with the manufacturers that you work with and on the audio side in particular, talking about how great your stores are. What do you think your key to success has been? So I'll start back. You know, I joined Leon um, close to about 15 years ago. Okay. And when I joined the stores, the, there was a Raleigh store at the time, which was sort of an iconic store in the country. And Leon had built this company essentially right out of school. He worked very briefly, like a Sam Goodies, and then launched uh, audio advice. And his whole goal was to be authentic. Mm. And you could see that as it developed over time. And by the time I came along and looked at the company and looked at investing in and joining the, the business, within North Carolina, it was by far the number one audio store. There were a few things that made it unique. One, uh, it was large compared to most audio stores. So it carried a lot of product and you could go into the store and have a room that was, you know, Bowers and Wilkins and a room that was Revel and a room that's Macintosh. And then you could, uh, you could essentially come to this one store and experience a lot of high end. So I think, I think that was one part. The second is that Leon uh, built a reputation of just this entire company was the, what I call the real deal. <laughs> Meaning when you went in there, uh, they were trying to figure out what really worked for you. It was authentic, meaning they didn't sell snuff, stuff they thought was snake oil, right? They, yeah. they sold what they really thought was right. And, and to be around as long as we have now, which is approaching 43 years, um, you really have to do that. And I think that became apparent. Then after I joined the company, actually about 10 years ago, we decided to go to Charlotte, which is the other big metro area outside of you know, Raleigh in North Carolina. And uh, we built a similar store, but learned from it. And so both stores today are very large stores compared to most audio video stores. And they run everything from, you can buy a $300 pair of headphones or bookshelf speakers, all the way up to $20,000 pair of speakers or walk in $120,000 theater. So for many people that are either into theaters or audio, going into these stores is like walking into a toy land. Right. And I think that that's worked really well. And then there's, I think the last part of it has been a customer service focus. And so uh, Leon teaches, in fact, we have on Friday, we have our, our monthly company meeting and he's teaching another class on 
how do you treat people incredibly well and what do you do if something goes wrong and how do you deliver great customer service? And so I think those have been the hallmarks of the business. Yeah, I, I've had a chance to interact with Leon. I think I told you on our conversation before that uh, he and I are both a bit on the introvert side. So it's a, a little hard to have us line up and have a conversation, but I've always <laughs> respected how um, he, he comes across as a really humble person. And that's not always somebody you see the, the most typical uh, personality trait in our business uh, and, and the, the lack of ego, um, but so successful is a great uh, welcome combination in my mind. And um, I, 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 I did want to talk a little bit about your background then too. You have um, you come at it from more of a business side first, and then you get into the industry. What, what brought you to this industry and what was your educational background getting you here? Yeah, so I, uh, I originally went to Davidson College undergrad. I was an economics major, some poli-sci, and I then worked on Wall Street. That was back in the days when you'd watch the movie Wall Street, yeah. and many of us would get excited, even though it's supposed to be sort of sad. We, oh my gosh, that seems like it's happening and a great place to go. Um, I left there and went out to California and be eventually became treasurer of a real estate investment trust. Okay. So a big uh, publicly traded company out there. And I, at that time, uh, I'd always been into audio video and they'd always been tech, you know, tech driven. I was coding uh, by the time I was probably in middle school. Hmm. And uh, I started bringing technology into this real estate investment uh, trust and thought, my gosh, if I went to business school and really attacked technology and it was sort of the technology boom was taking off at the time. Anyway, so I went to Harvard Business School in 1999 mm. and I sought out, it's actually a really funny story and there's a, a business school case study on this, but I sought out uh, who I thought was the smartest person in the school from a analytical mathematics standpoint and had some background in, in smart technologies. Anyways, I met, there was a woman there uh, from Europe and um, she was a genius you know, off the charts. And we, we started a company together oh. called Gold Pocket Interactive. And it was a technology company. We eventually grew that company. We made it through the dot-com bust and we sold the business um, in about 2005. And what did that and, company and, do? What, what was the focus of the company? Well, it did a handful of things. What it, a few things that it's most well known for right now was text messaging. So when text messaging first came out in the United States, you could vote on things like Survivor and things like, and we were powering all of those with our technology. We were also um, providing interactivity in large scale. So our first big patent was about the ability to have people interact and in, uh, for instance, in television, have people be able to vote and communicate and things like that. And okay. uh, that office is still out there today in LA. It's part of Ericsson Telecom now. Hmm. And um, so anyways, uh, we sold the business and I decided I wanted to have a more balanced lifestyle and spend time with my family. And so I moved uh, to Raleigh, even though I didn't have family here, my family was on the East Coast, so hmm. we moved here, and I was thinking about what I would do next. I was on the board of a couple businesses, some some startups, and um, anyways, I bought a house. I was into electronics, and my wife let me get a house that had, you know, smart home and a theater and those kinds of things, and that eventually led me to meet uh, Leon, and I was on the customer side first, and I just fell in love with the business, and I eventually said to Leon, um, I'd be interested in investing in this business with you and helping you grow the business. And like any owner, he'd owned the business 30 years at that point. And he said, you know, essentially, I don't need some Harvard Business School <laughs> yeah. like trying to tell me how to run this business I've run for 30 years. And so our agreement was, I wasn't really working at the time and he, the business was growing and he was trying to figure out how do I deal with this growth? 
And, um, you know, it was hitting that point where it was bigger than just a small business and he didn't really have a lot of management systems and so forth. So I said, I tell you what, why don't we meet about every week and I will analyze the business. I'll look at your books. I'll come into the company. I'll, I'll blind shop it. And I will actually write you the map of what I would do. Hmm. And at the end of a uh, handful of months, if you want to just take it and do it yourself, you can do it. And uh, it'll just be free consulting for me. Or if you decide you'd like to work with me, then that's what we'll do. Okay. And my only requirement was that he talked to my prior partner to just understand, you know, what kind of person I am. Anyways, it took five months. After five months, uh, he loved the plan and said, let's do it. And I then invested in the company and um, we co-own it together. And, okay. and he's been, uh, as you can tell from his personality, having known him, he's been just a fabulous partner. He's the most honest high integrity person. You know, I hear these stories of people that have partnerships and they're like, oh my gosh, they eventually fall apart. We've just been incredibly blessed that uh, we treat each other with respect. We try not to fight over small things and we try to stick to uh, the core values of the business and it's worked really well. Well, and I would imagine then the decision to add an online component to the company was you're doing as well then coming on board or, um, I mean, it was, that was only five years ago. So that was well into your ownership. Uh, can yeah, can so you talk the, about, about that? Because that's that's a, not a typical situation for a lot of AV retailers, successfully at least. So how did you pull that off? So the if as you might imagine, my first part of the strategy was, okay, let's improve operational systems, bring in some new software, all those kinds of what I would call the fundamental things of how do you, instead of having a 10-person business, at that time, it's like 35 people. How do we run it a little more efficiently, better, uh, good reporting systems? But you know, I considered the option value that at some point we would build multiple stores over time. So we acquired a security company and entered that space. And then we acquired, you know, one or two businesses in Raleigh. And then we expanded to Charlotte. And obviously I was driving that and mm -hmm. uh, we did them very incrementally. In other words, we took our time. And after Charlotte was running successfully, um, the decision became, do we want to expand to a couple more markets? And ultimately... I felt like we had a unique opportunity in online. And I'll, I'll just say, you know, I know a lot of people come to me and they're in various businesses and they say, should I launch online? And I'll say, it is way, way harder and way more than people think. In other words, it, when you measure the cost of entering the market, it's in the millions, not hundreds of thousands. Wow. Be because the, the problem is we all sell everything at the same price today. So if you're gonna buy something online at Audiovice, it's the same price as Amazon. And for people that have, and this is true of every business that exists in the country. Mm -hmm. And so if you're gonna launch uh, a website, many people that do, they underestimate that no one's going to show up to your website. It's just not gonna happen unless you have some really, really big competitive advantage. And when we entered five years ago, our competitive advantage was, was content and service. So we had the advantage for instance, turntables started to take off. Very few people in the country really can talk to you about every turntable that's out there and what kind of cartridge goes onto it. And is it moving magnet or moving, you know, yeah. is it coil and so forth. And we had all that expertise in house. So we had this really unique advantage to be able to take people from the stores and have them service people online. And we created content, we created videos, and then we could answer the phones. And we also had Sonos, we'll tell you this, we, you know, Sonos has come to us a handful of times, including the former president of Sonos. He just said, your name was perfect, right? Yeah, so you couldn't just take the average company name and make it work. Um, and in fact, NC State University here in North Carolina did a case study and helped us analyze, should we launch e-commerce with a different name? 
versus mm. Audivice. And we kept Audivice, which creates a problem for us because it's, it looks very you know, e-commerce driven, yeah. yet people in North Carolina go to it and it used to be very driven about, oh, this is how we install, et cetera. So mm. we had to deal with those challenges. But yes, we drove it, we got behind it, we made a big commitment to it. And, um, you know, we took all the profits of the business for years and just kept plowing it back into e-com. Oh, okay, very good. Well, Scott, I want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the discussion about the, the new home theater design tool. So uh, we'll be right back after this break. Thanks for listening to Residential Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by Sony. Sony's OLED TVs and Master Series meet the strict criteria of the top engineers and makes beautiful images a reality. Their 4K HDR TVs pair the brilliance of 4K with the brightness, color, and detail of high dynamic range. See how every scene comes to life with extraordinary realism. Discover a new level of immersive cinematic audio at home. With Dolby Atmos and acoustic surface audio, you'll enjoy three-dimensional surround sound that takes your breath away. See everything new from the world of Sony USA, including electronics, the new PlayStation 5, movies, music, and TV shows. Visit www.sony.com to learn more. Welcome back. I'm talking to Scott Noonan, CEO of Audio Advice in North Carolina. Scott, um, you came up with this uh, home theater design tool, and uh, I want to talk obviously about that, but what was the process like leading up to it? Was there any uh, digital kind of tool that you were able to use in maybe your in-person meetings, or were, were you always dealing with design drawings? How did that all work? Yeah, so if you if you scroll back to Audio Advice's history, um, it has always been on the forefront of home theaters. So uh, in North Carolina, we were the first ones to put a surround sound system in. We were the first ones to have stereo, all those kinds of things. And then when Atmos came out, you know, we were we had the very first processor in the southeast. All those kinds of things. And so it is in our DNA uh, to design theaters and work on them. And so. Even since I've been at the company, which is approaching 15 years now, you know, we've had, we've used different types of software to do acoustic calibrations and everything from using Visio to show sight lines and map out rooms and calculations and things like that. And we've always thought there's probably a better way. And we look for lots of tools out there. Did someone else have something? And honestly, we just could not find anything to do the level of what we wanted. And the economics didn't make sense to build one pre our e-commerce business. In other words, mm. even though we have two large stores and we designed and installed over a thousand theaters. So, I mean, it's in the scale in the United States, we're probably in the top five in terms of how many theaters we've, we've done over the past decade. And, um, but once we had the e-commerce platform and we had enough e-commerce customers and people coming in and do it yourself, um, customers, the belief was is that we could build a technology tool to do the mathematics and the design the way we've been doing it using various, you know, Excel models and Vizio and some okay. software and so forth. Um, so that was where it, it came from. And that goes all the way back to five years ago. And then in early 2019, we decided we're going to do this. We're going to get serious. And we began, if you've ever done software development, you know, it's not about the fingers on the keyboards. It's, the figuring out the design and laying out what is the flow and those kinds of mm. things you saw interacting with it. There's all this mathematics behind it, but the really hard part was how do we make it easy and simple? 
yeah. on the user side. Yeah, sure. Because you're dealing with people who may have never considered a home theater before. So they have no clue where to start, right? Correct. So you need, you need, we needed to one, make it visually easy to use. But the second thing we needed to do was, as you just said, they don't know where to start. We actually had to think about designing a home theater from two different angles. One is where do you begin? And what is that progression, right? What would be the easiest way? And as you saw, we start with, okay, what are the dimensions of your room? Right. And then we visually build it real time in front of you. But we also allow you to do it uh, nonlinear. In other words, you could jump straight down to, well, I really know where my seats are going to be. Mm. Now let me back into what I want for the speakers and, you know, let's figure out where they could go and what my options might be. Right. And one of the things that really jumped out to me when we were talking was this immersion level uh, calculation that you had trademarked prior to even designing this tool, but it's how you figure out the screen size and how, you know, the comfort level for the, the consumer. So um, explain how that that tool works. Yeah, so this is really cool. So we originally did this pri prior to the tool. What we found was when you're designing a theater with someone and, and usually you're tr you, you ask people, where's the primary seat going to be? You know, is this the front row or middle row? Or if it's a media room, maybe it's a couch. But once you know that, you start to get into a discussion about how big should the screen be? And, you know, there's all sorts of standards, what THX says and what SEMPTI says, and there's these ranges. Well, having done so many, we've learned, you know, obviously we focus group our customers and survey them afterwards. What do you like? What do you not? And so forth. And to tell you exactly how we used to do it, we would bring people into one of our stores and we would sit them in a theater that had approximately the size screen that we're talking about. And we'd have them watch for maybe 20, 30 minutes. Okay. And then they may come back a week later and we would move the chairs back. So physically just move the chairs in the room and they'd sit there and get that room to themselves for a while. And then we might bring them back another week and move them closer. And we're essentially asking them questions on, did you get a headache? How does it feel? Mm -hmm. What is it? And we were getting their, you know, emotional response and sort of sensory response. And over time we were able to develop essentially a, um, a platform for us to have, um, define and have a nomenclature to say, what is the immersion level that works for you and your family or your wife or your husband or, or whatever else? And to, to sort of summarize it in the simplest form, what we essentially uh, trademarked was, if you like to sit in the front third of a theater and that just feels great to you, you feel immersed and you're into it, that's a high immersion level. And so we all know what that means when we talk about it. And then if you're the type of person who says, no, I get a headache when I sit in the front, I really want to sit in the middle and that just feels perfect for me. I don't get a headache and it feels great. Then that's a average or medium level immersion level. And then when you sit in the back third and that's what works for you, that's a lower immersion level. So everyone understood what that nomenclature meant. And to us that gets defined into a angle, right? So yeah. if I sit, how big is the screen relative to where I'm sitting? And uh, as you saw on the tool, we, we brought in two things simultaneously that I think was really, you know, part of the patents. We, as you might imagine, we, we filed patents on everything related to the tool because we put so much work and time. But, but part of it was simultaneously allowing you to play with the size of the screen in, your, in where your seating is and showing you the immersion level, which you now could understand because we've explained it relative to a movie theater and allowing you to sit in the seat as if you were in the true, uh, in, in the 3D environment and see how big it is. And, and that, that combination has worked incredibly well now. So we've been super happy with the outcome.
Yeah, I was impressed with that, especially for an online tool. I've seen a really immersive um, uh, virtual reality type of demo uh, in, in a trade show environment, but you can do that obviously in this kind of a setup when you're looking at it through your own computer. But uh, I thought that was a really effective way because you really want to see what it feels like sitting in a seat in your theater that you're designing. Yeah, exactly right. And so COVID obviously had a big impact on your rollout of this tool. Um, what were some of the impacts there? Um, I, I, everybody's at home now, so they're, they're focused on improving their, their home environment, right? So that's one of them for sure. I'm yeah, that's, so, you know, obviously we couldn't anticipate it going all the way back to in 2019 when we're saying, okay, we're going to launch this tool and, and um, you know, we'd gone to NC State and got information from them and helped them work and all sorts of stuff. And we were in the middle of the tool when COVID hit. And I think it probably didn't occur to us right at the beginning. We're probably like everyone else going, this is, you know, we weren't, wasn't sure if what COVID really meant, you know, was it economy going to go bad? Was it going to go away quickly or whatever else? And then what we all eventually found was there was a big paradigm shift where people started working from home and Zoom and everything else took off. Um, but what we found in that environment was two or three things all happened at once. One, people stopped going to movie theaters. And when that happened, the movie studio started releasing direct to streaming. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't that people weren't consuming content, they were. In fact, streaming content, as you know, actually increased dramatically. Yeah. And uh, so it made a lot of sense for the movie studios to release at home. Well, when that happens, people can't go on vacations, all sorts of things are happening and people are deciding, hey, I'm going to improve my home environment where I'm watching television or enjoying all this new media. So you've got a lot more media today available to people through Disney Plus and Apple and Netflix than we ever could have imagined two or three years ago. You've got people sitting at home and then you've got people not spending money on vacations and other things. And so they're trying to improve home environments. Because of that, um, you know, we were trying to get this tool right. If you spend any time in software development, you know you can do an endless loop of, of <laughs> quality assurance, right? And we were testing it and testing it. But eventually I was like, we've got to just get this out. And um, I think you and I talked before, one of the biggest decisions when we released it, which was not the plan originally, was to make it free to everyone. Right. And that related to one with COVID, we just felt like there's enough negative stuff going on out there that this is a opportunity to give something back. We've already invested the money. It was yeah. a sunk cost at that point. And so we originally had been debating and we'd actually had, um, you know, university study for us. Okay, how much money should we charge? Because it was as good a design tool as we've ever seen anyone do as a person or anything else. And as you saw, lots of mathematics and visually showing you. And we just decided we're going to make it free. And what that meant, which was really quite interesting, was one, we'd be getting it, giving it to many of our peers who are part of Home Technology Specialists of America. And honestly, there's a lot of camaraderie in that group. Mm -hmm. And it felt pretty cool to go, you know, you all should use this in your own markets. You can design everything using our tool and you'll in, we'll never make any money from it. You'll install with whoever customer you're working with. And lots of people that are not in HTSA will use it as well, I'm sure. Lots of up and coming home theater startups, I'm sure will use it to help design. Um, and then it also meant, you know, there'd be no income coming in from it. And so um, it means that our experience we need to deliver to people would be so great that people who are do-it-yourselfers, who are ultimately want to do it uh, themselves, would say, oh my gosh, I've never heard of this company or, you know, this is what a great experience. And I'd like to use them to purchase my equipment. And so that's the, 
uh, return. And I will tell you, so we're now into this, as you know, we launched this uh, basically just under a week ago, right? Mm -hmm. So last Thursday. And the response has been overwhelming. I think you actually asked me when you and I talked to you, you said something to the effect of, do you think there's any chance that you, like you could crash it or, you know, you'll have enough sale, you won't have enough salespeople. And I was like, Oh no, 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 it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, it has had a lot more traffic and usage than we ever thought. Well, what, what would the um, actual impact on your staff be from the, the response there of the, of the tool there initially? Yeah. So we got, you know, a lot more people than we thought. And it's also been, we did not, and we did not think about international. So just as a simple uh, example, we've got a Calendly link where people can, you know, they build their own theater, but maybe they have, they have questions beyond it or what about this or what about that? There's an infinite amount of questions one could ask and they can just click and, and book time with our team to answer questions. And so we've got people, you know, there was someone from Iran today that our team was on. We don't sell anything in Iran, by the way, so <laughs> asking questions uh, from our team. And so anyways, there's, there's been a surge in lots of questions. Um, many people are just playing with it. Many people are using local uh, installers and just wanted to try to come up with uh, a better design and working on it. So it's exactly what we wanted. And what I don't know yet is, you know, how much will dissipate as the you know, press reduces and so forth, but it's been terrific. I mean, as you might imagine, just from a excitement standpoint from our team of all these people who spent their lives designing theaters, just answering questions for people yeah. and helping them build the theater, whether we're going to be the ones to, you know, help provide the product or not is sort of irrelevant to the excitement of the team. Well, it validates that whole, um, audio advice sort of name and the, um, obviously it's more than audio, but you're, you're able to provide all that extra education uh, on that e-commerce site, which you hope will continue to drive traffic, right? So you can sell to, to, the, to the DIY person or someone that just wants the onesie twosies um, and the product, not a whole system, but then uh, ultimately you also get those maybe bigger sales too when you need an integrated home, right? And, uh, and a custom installation. Yeah. And so, you know, we only, in general, our installations mainly in North Carolina. Yeah. And so, um, you know, one of the challenges of our website is how do you communicate that and what do you do? Sure. Um, but you're exactly right. It drives more traffic. More people know about us. Our market obviously has noticed we've been here for over 40 years. So we tend to dominate the home theater space in North Carolina. And uh, I think you know, our hope is this is going to be great for all people in the mm -hmm. installation business and all dealers across the country. One, it gives more exposure to home theaters. Um, they can, dealers can use it themselves and never even tell the customer, right? So right. Design, customers in it, cut what would have been 20 hours worth of work into half an hour. And that's fine. And I hope that happens because I want to see as many companies in our space thrive around the country as possible. That's great. And, and so the, those who haven't used the tool yet, um, the um, the last step there, the last stage when you finalize the the design, what, what happens? What what does it say to that person about what do you do now after you've got the design? Yeah, so it, it renders it in real time so you can see what the design looks like. And then there's a, a save and get the specs button uh, once it's done. And, and by the way, we didn't spend any time on this, but you'll remember one of the cool things about it to know that you're done is that all of the products in the 3D diagram are the correct color, right? So you remember one of the cool things that we got into this thing that we thought was a cool part of the, the intellectual property and the patenting that we were doing is that if something gets out of spec, it'll turn red. Yeah. And so it makes it easy for a consumer to go, oh my gosh, I just, 
I pull forward this couch and all of a sudden everything is now in the correct color. And so it is now correct. So they can visually see that. And then what happens is they click save. It then takes the calculations. It sends them an email that's a link. And that link gives them the literal, you know, entire specs. So it shows a picture of the room in, in a full 3D rendering. And then it shows the dimensions and sort of what would be a little CAD version. And then it just walks through everything from, you know, where's the projector? What's height is the screen? If you did a riser, how high is the riser? Where should each of your right and left and that most speakers go? And it gives you, you know, down, as you saw, down to the inch from in, within your room as to where it should go. Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty, I mean, frankly, way beyond what we even thought when we envisioned the tool initially. And you're not making any recommendations on brand or anything like that, It's just, or models. You're just going, this is where the pl placement is on these um, right now. And then that way, someone else, whatever the lines are that they carry, could use that and, and apply it to their favorite speaker brands or projector brands, that sort of thing, right? Th that's exactly right. So. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's, it's brand agnostic. And uh, as you said, someone could use it and it doesn't get into budget, for instance. Okay. Um, we did when we were doing the initial design, we considered, and we wrote this into the original intellectual property and patent kind of thing was, well, we could take budget and then we could put in different types of speakers and you could choose and see what it looks like. And, in, but in the initial rollout, we felt it's really important to make it agnostic and be the design of where everything goes and not get into this brand or that brand, et cetera. And so um, I think that's been the right decision. Obviously it allowed us to get it out in a critical time frame as well. Right. Right. So as you look at what your business is like right now, and obviously COVID has been an impact, but you, you, you see home theater as part of it, but there's obviously so much more to what you do as a, as an integration company, as a retailer. A um, couple of things. What, one is what is driving business right now primarily? Where are you getting the most action in the you know, retail environment? And what do you look ahead as a maybe technology trend that you might grab onto um, as a future opportunity? Yeah. So um, from a big picture, sort of 30,000 foot view, what we see happening, uh, the number of big new homes going up I think is slightly decreasing right now. And what we're seeing, and I'll use North Carolina as an example, but it, I'll relate it to e-com as well. You've got people moving out of markets that are highly urban areas, you know, the New Yorks, the Chicago's and so forth. And areas like North Carolina are seeing them move in because they're, they're getting away from, from all the COVID perception of being in tightly. That has actually been driving up prices in existing homes. Okay, so you've got this recession going on, you have COVID, but if you look at existing homes, prices are going up right now. And it's mainly because you've got an influx into these other markets that are not in the, you know, really uh, tightly packed, dense areas. Um, however, most of these people are not saying, I've got two years or a year and a half to build a home. It's like, I want a home now, right. and I need to be able to have a home office and so forth. So we're seeing a shift from these, you know, our pipeline of larger brand new homes is smaller for 2021 than it was going into 2020. And I, and I would expect that's gonna be the case for some time period. However, um, there's a lot of, let me improve my home. Yeah. And so that fits into home theater, uh, home networking, those kinds of things are, are big right now. And so there's a lot of pivoting there. On the e-commerce side, you know, we had a surge in headphones somewhere mm. in COVID that's dissipated now. Okay. Um, 
but we still see the how do I generally improve my home home theater kind of stuff going on. I, I think from a trend standpoint, um, I think you're going to see a lot of wellness. You know, we've heard a lot about yeah. it, but people thinking about, and, th and this relates to a host of things. It relates to my HVAC systems. How do they get managed? What are the filters in them? Um, light coming into the home. So we are seeing an increase in motorized shades, mm -hmm. which has been taking off over the, you know, maybe the past five years, but we continue to see that happening now. Um, and so everything related to that, there's lighting in that as well, right? There where yep. you've got this kinds of things, uh, circadian rhythms kind of discussions about, yeah. I want to be able to sleep at night, so I don't want blue light and those kinds of things. I, I think that's going to be a bigger trend over the next five years, particularly because people are thinking about their home environments differently now. You know, two years ago, it was everyone's trying to get into apartments and townhomes and downtown areas. Mm. Now it's more, I might be in my home a lot longer, more often living in it. And it really has got to be conducive to both work and living. Right. Well, that's a, that's a great place to stop, Scott. I really appreciate your time today and taking us through the design tool. Can you tell us where um, folks can, can find the design tool and try it out for themselves? Certainly. If you go to audioadvice.com, so it's audioadvice.com, uh, you cannot miss it. <laughs> We've got it on our homepage and everywhere else, as, as you might imagine, it's been sort of the hottest thing there. And um, it's fun to play with. So even someone who has you know, you have your own install company, or even if you're in the commercial space and you're trying to design a room or play, it's a fun tool to play with. And in 10 minutes, you can get what would have taken hours and hours of time and just go have fun with it. Very good. We'll definitely go check it out. Thanks for your time today, Scott. You bet. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Also, and thanks to everybody else for joining us and be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.